listening to iOS Dev Break, 15 minutes of current events, tips, and advice for iOS developers, including, but not limited to, discussions of Swift, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS. Welcome to iOS Dev Break Episode 2. In this episode, becoming an iOS developer for $25, uh, Swift thoughts, or not, and parse migration revisited, as well as React Native. But first, a little iOS development news. This is one of the things that came up just yesterday, I believe. Um, we received some news about Dash, the uh, very helpful utility application for both you know, Mac, iOS development, so many other platforms. Um, and it's a really useful tool. Uh, I've only just started using it. But uh, we, we received news about this, uh, about the developer's account actually being shut down by Apple due to what they report as being inappropriate use of uh, App Store reviews and so forth, uh, fraudulent activity. And while I can't comment on that, I don't know if that's real or not. The, the developer, of course, uh, denies that kind of activity. But uh, there's an underlying problem here that I think we all need to at least think about. And the fact is that Apple has the ability to shut us down uh, as it wishes. And uh, the other thing that we need to think about is that this is not just a Mac App Store problem. Um, in this case, the developer was also a developer of an iOS app. And because his account was suspended, it wasn't just the Mac App Store app, it was his account. So uh, as a result, that ends up shutting down the iOS product as well. So this just shows us that it's not just a matter of avoiding the Mac App Store, but also uh, the fact that we, uh, you know, we're sort of at the mercy of Apple in this regard. This is a very rare case, but unfortunately a very high profile case. So we will see how this all pans out. And it seems like the, the highest folks at Apple are getting involved in this as well. So like I said, we'll, we'll see what the outcome is. And hopefully it'll work out well, not only for the developer of Dash, but also for the rest of us who use it. So uh, that's that for for the news. Uh, also continuing on with uh, what I used to call Swift Thoughts. But it's kind of funny because I received Natasha the Robot's newsletter this week, and it turns out she has a section in that newsletter called Swift Thoughts. And I thought, well, maybe it'd be better to call it something else. So uh, so I will be either changing the name or perhaps using no name. We'll see. One other thing that I wanted to mention, this is in the, the line of Swift, is that uh, I, I don't know if anyone has really put the clues together or not on this, but I thought I'd better mention that uh, not only is my uh, do I have the podcast going here, iOS Dev Break, and also my uh, standard personal developer account on Twitter, which is at Evan K. Stone. And the, the Twitter account for iOS Dev Break is at sign iOS Dev Break. But also I've been running the, the I'm Learning Swift uh, Twitter account for quite some time too. So if you want to follow that, that'd be great too. And that is at sign I am learning Swift, all one word. I am learning Swift. And so hopefully some of the things that I, that I retweet or comment on there will be of use to you.
in addition to the podcast. But please subscribe to the podcast using the either iTunes or your podcast app on iOS or on Overcast and whatever your podcast client is. It's much better than downloading the individual episodes. So one of the things that I saw this week was that uh, you can become an iOS developer for $25. Uh, this was a, an ad that I saw. I think it was might have been from iMore, and I'm not picking on iMore or any of these uh, tutorial sites or, or sites that uh, that feature ways to learn how to do iOS development or any kind of software development. I think it's great that they provide that type of service. Um, one of the thing I just want to that I really wanted to caution uh, listeners about. Uh, is that while it is great to learn to become an iOS developer, uh, you need to be careful about believing claims like, oh, you can become an iOS developer for $25. Yes, you may be able to do some rudimentary uh, development work, but you probably aren't going to be able to land a, a serious iOS development job doing that. But it might give you some skills, some basic skills to get you started. So I think it's a great idea if you want to get started somewhere uh, and or, you know, if you have some place that you want to get started with iOS development, but don't try to put the expectations too high on that. Um, it takes years of experience to become an iOS developer uh, or at least to become a seasoned one and uh, let alone being a, a, a lead or senior uh, developer. So um well, I think it's a good goal. We need to be careful about uh, buying into these kind of claims too much. So uh, I just wanted to comment on that for people because I know there's been listeners who have commented uh, to me about wanting to know how to learn to become an iOS developer. And so if you see these things, uh, I think it's a great idea to take it up, but just be careful and uh, and don't, don't believe everything you read. Um, but it will it could give you the 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 skills just to at least to get started get a taste for it and there's many options to choose from so if you do take it up and uh, start on that path of learning to be an iOS developer I, I hope you are very successful in it and I hope that we can help you here, there in that uh, that regard with giving you a little bit of uh, information tips techniques on iOS dev break the other thing that I wanted to mention or talk about and discuss today is the topic of parse migration. This is something that was a very hot topic at the beginning of the year, especially back in January when parse announced that they were shutting down their services and that, the, that it was going to happen a year later in January of 2017, which is coming up rapidly for us. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because I'm actually uh, working on a project that uh, we have hosted for our client uh, using Parse because it seemed like the uh, most expeditious manner of getting an application up and running, and, and it's been working great. The The issue now is, though, wh what do we do as far as migration is concerned? And we have several options at our disposal, but not all the options are all that great. So one of the, the options that is mentioned by actually the, the Parse developers is to uh, move to a service like Heroku, which for us is great because we're already using Heroku for our Ruby apps. And 
but then then they mention using MLAB for the for the database. There might there are some other options too, but specifically MLAB because it, it seems like that's probably the best default to use. But unfortunately, one of the problems with MLAB is that you need to if you want to have SSL, which of course you need to have, you want to have, it's the best practice and um Unfortunately, if you want to have an SSL connection to your your MongoDB database, then that is an eighty dollar fee on top of the regular subscription price, which then is required that you have a dedicated database hosting plan. So, which is I believe one hundred eighty dollars a month. So you got the one hundred eighty dollars a month plus eighty dollars a month. It gets a little pricey, especially for an app that in our case, is free to use. And for Parse, that was great because we could use Parse. And uh, then we have a, another service provider in the mix, which is a for-pay service, but it was relatively minimal. So then the issue is, where do we move this thing? So I don't have a real good answer to this, but if I, if we decide to move it, then I will uh, report back here and see uh, just what we've decided to do on this uh, the, with regard to moving the database. Um, there are some other options, possible other solutions, such as using a different DB provider. Um, there's a DB provider uh, that handles MongoDB called Compose, which seems like a viable option, but I've seen conflicting reports whether it's compatible with Parse. Uh, so even though I did see a, an, uh, a sort of a tutorial how-to by IBM on the subject of using Compose with Parse. So maybe it's possible that they seem to be a little cheaper and they default to SSL, so it might be a good option. If you've used any of these options, please send me an email at iosdevbreak at interactivelogic.net and let me know. Or you can just tw uh, send me a tweet on, on Twitter. Send it to either iosdevbreak or Evan K. Stone. So the other the other option that or the sort of more solid option is definitely have the the backend part on Heroku uh despite the, the those costs. Um another option is if you really want to go hardcore then you can go to a build your own backend on Linode or Digital DigitalOcean or something like that which might be a more cost-effective solution but it also costs you the time. So these are the kind of trade-offs we have to constantly analyze in software development uh, when it comes to building backends and really trying to, to find the right mix, what makes the most sense, what's good enough. So I will report back and let you know how things go. Maybe we just end up shutting it down. Who knows? Um, anyway, so that's that for, for Parse. The other topic that I thought might be good to chat about is something that I've just started this week, and that is React Native. And uh, I sort of feel like my the achievement was unlocked for doing the Hello World React Native project. Um, it's very interesting and strange feeling to use uh, the, in the way that they have it developed, uh, the way that you develop React Native apps. Uh, it might be familiar feeling to someone who's done a lot of web development, but from my perspective, this feels a little weird because I'm so used to being inside Xcode all the time and uh, or, or using other t tools, but ma mainly using Xcode for the development part. And so 
Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm not totally familiar yet with how uh, React Native, what the best practices are. And that's that's what I'm most interested in. Um, and trying to learn those best practices as, as quickly as possible. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably report back with periodic progress on my feelings with working with React Native. Uh, it also has a side benefit of being able to possibly do... Uh, web front-end development in, with React, though even though that's not really my uh, preferred mode of development lately, but it's, uh, um, it, it's certainly a viable option and probably would be made easier if I'm also developing in React Native. So again, if you have any experience with uh, React Native, uh, positive or negative, if you think it's the best thing ever, I'd really like to hear why you think that and maybe some avenues that you've taken to learning and to come up to speed on React Native quickly and maybe some of the things that maybe mindset adjustment that you've had to make because I'm finding that that's probably going to be a core issue here is just that it does things quite differently. And it's not just about the programming language. So, and, and that's proved to be a case recently because we've all had to switch languages from Objective-C to Swift. So it's less about the language and more about the the approach to the way uh, these apps are built because it feels different when you're working. In my case, I'm using Visual Studio Code um, because it, it's a pretty solid editor for JavaScript um, and Node.js and so forth. So I'm using that. Uh, I don't know if I'll stay with it, but for right now, it works pretty well. Um, there's also Sublime. So anyway, um, we'll see how that all goes too, and I will report back with that. But those are basically the, the main topics for this week. I, I think the episode might be a little shorter, but I did have to just kind of uh, uh, crank this one out this week because uh, I am uh, going away for a little bit, and I just wanted to make sure that we had an episode out for everybody. And uh, I'll report back with some of these other developments on these other topics as well. Um Sort of to conclude, uh, as far as uh, sponsorships are concerned, if you would like to um, sponsor uh, the the show, uh, please contact me either via Twitter uh, at Evan K. Stone or at iOS Dev Break, or if you know someone who would like to, or you can send me an email at iosdevbreak at interactivelogic.net. And uh, also, as a sort of quasi-sponsorship. I wanted to put a shout out to Cloud City Development. And if you would like to work with Cloud City Development's awesome designers and developers on your next app project, you can contact us at cloudcity.io. And uh, so if you have a project that you're trying to get off the ground, whether it involves uh, IoT, Internet of Things, iBeacons, BLE, um, or iOS, or if you have a backend that needs building, launching, um, or a web app, any of those kinds of things, contact Cloud City Development today to see how we can help you. And uh, you'll definitely be in good hands because we love working with nice people and uh, uh, nice people who have great ideas, which I'm sure you are out there in our uh, in the, the listenership. So, um, so contact. Cloud City at your soonest convenience, and you can get a complimentary half-hour consultation for your project. So contact them at cloudcity.io. Also, if you would like to help personally with the 
the podcast. Maybe you don't want to sponsor necessarily, but you might like to help keep iOS Dev Break going. Uh, there's a couple ways that you can help. Uh, first, the way is by visiting our Patreon page at uh, patreon.com forward slash iOS Dev Break. And there's several levels. I had to, I, I tried to keep them as low as possible uh, that you can support with, even if it's just you know a, a dollar a month or something like that, if you want. Um, otherwise, if you just want to contribute 70 cents to the cost, you can also purchase uh, my uh, very simple app, 911, that's spelled out N-I-N-E-O-N-E-O-N-E, -E -E. uh, and it's the one-touch emergency dialer. And uh, so if you, even if you just purchased it and then deleted it off your device, at least you show support for the show. And, uh, but I think it's, it's a useful application. Even if you don't use it for emergency numbers, you can configure it to just be a, a one touch dialer, uh, so that your kids can use it or, um, or if you, you have a, a, a number that you call all the time and you want to just hit that button, uh, you can use that for that. The link is in the show notes. So if you go to iosdevbreak.com, you can find the show notes for episode two and uh, the link will be in there, as will uh, most of this other information, too. So we thank you for your support. And even if you're just listening, uh, please subscribe to the podcast, as I mentioned earlier, using your podcast client or iTunes or whatever you're using. And that helps us out a lot. So thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the flip side next week. 